Hello and welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions with your host, me, Brian Reiser, and today's guest, Brian Elsesser, the VP of Sales over at Saster. This is one of the most exciting conversations I've had to date. Uh, Brian is an amazing sales leader and runs an amazing process. You're going to learn a little bit more about how he's brought on an SDR that's, get this, already done $2.8 million of revenue in less than the first year. We'll go through his idea around how do you actually find, onboard, and hire SDRs, and ultimately what's necessary to make sure that they're set up for success. Tune in, you're not gonna wanna miss the show. Welcome to another episode of the Revenue Champions Podcast. I'm super excited because, honestly, I've been a big fan of Saster as a SaaS sales professional for almost a decade. Well, I guess over a decade, but like, and there's some services in there, but we've got Brian Elsesser on the show today. Brian, you want to introduce yourself to the crowd? What is it that you're doing at Saster? How did you get involved in this crazy business and like this phenom around SaaS and how do you sell in SaaS? Like, like tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hey, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for having me on today. Uh, yep. Brian Elsesser. I'm the vice president of sales for Saster. Um, so I oversee revenue for Jason Lemkin and the team here. We are the largest community in the world of B2B tech execs and entrepreneurs. And um, that community helps founders every day in, in B2B SaaS scale their business to $100 million plus. And so it's an exciting business to be in. I get to talk to a lot of SaaS founders and a lot of SaaS executives on a daily basis, which is super fun. Um, and, uh, and yeah, man, I, I mean, how did I get it? I don't know. I'm, I'm some, sometimes you just get lucky. And I, I think this is one of those moments where I was super lucky to be in the right place at the right time, introduced to the right individuals that led me here. I, but it's actually wild when I think about it, because like by trade, what I'm, what I'm trained to do, I, I was an opera singer that traveled the world and did that. And like hold on, hold on, hold on. You're an opera singer. Yeah, man. Yeah. Can you hit that note? I, I, I don't know which note you want to hit, want me to hit. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, dude. I, 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 like like, like that, that opera note right now, right? For the, dude, for the crowd. I, I, what does that sound like? Do you have to warm up? I, it, it, it sounds awesome. And you can hear it 24-7 on YouTube. But that said, right? Like I was, I was, uh, yeah, man. I was, uh, I was an opera singer for a long time. And I... I, uh, I, if I hadn't done that career, if I had chosen a different path, I never would have found my way here. And so it's kind of funny how everything strings along. I actually got into sales to fund my opera singing. That's how it all got started. Cause I was running out of money living in Milwaukee and I, I, I was a singer, you know? And so like, I, 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 I'm like, how do I fund my opera career? I'm like, oh, you know, I, I know how to talk to people. I like talking to people. Let me talk to people. And so that's what I did. And I got into selling advertising, which led to selling software, which led me all the way on this amazing journey up to, to Saster. And so it's been, it's funny how it, like everything's kind of connected, you know? Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this podcast go without at least a note by the end. Okay? <laughs> Be prepared because we have to have a note for oh this show like we have to have a note so you know we get there uh maybe we put it in the show notes but like come on let's 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 give it for the crowd so <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit more about like your involvement with saster how, how did you get involved with the company you're focused on training and teaching sales professionals more about the industry and like what to expect in their careers like that's your day-to-day -day. but how did yeah. like you know you're like you're this non-traditional path to that? Like how, how, how the heck did you get involved? And like, what does that look like today? Um, you know, I, uh, it's interesting. Cause like, I, I, um, I think I'm, 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 it's probably my obsession, my like obsessive compulsiveness. I, I really try to do everything I can when I do something to go all in and like, and really own it. Right. I don't think I've ever really done anything in a way where I would consider half-assed. If I half-assed it, I wasn't interested in, I killed it. Like I just wouldn't do it anymore. Right. Like, like when I was on the soccer team in high school, right. That was a half-assed attempt. What, what, like, what position did you play? Left out. 
And so uh, I, <laughs> I like, like I just like it never worked for me, right? I would, I would, I would go to the practices and like and everything, and like if you pass Brian the ball, the ball is getting stolen by the other team, and I was getting ripped off the field pretty fast. So I, I like it's one of those things, right? So I, I am, uh, I think when what I've done is when you're a professional musician, you you're kind of taught. Um, you know, especially if you want to be like a performer, you're taught that you have to be a perfectionist and you have to own it. And ownership has been a core attribute to my world ever since, um, you know, my, my music days and performing, you, you know, it's, it's kind of critical when you're a singer, you know, everything down to not just the notes and the music and the melody and the, and the, and the volume, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's also like dialect and language and like, understanding like you know that one off sound makes it so that you could never sing in germany you could never sing in france right and 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 like that those kind of those kind of pieces you know even in the us like if you were to sing in a different language incorrectly they would never hire you you had to be super on top of your game and always better than the next person which is sounds very stressful it is it's exceedingly stressful especially when like you know, you were going contract to contract and trying to figure out how to make a living. And so um, I think, you know, I give my friends that are still doing it a ton of credit because it's a very, 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 it can be a very thankless world. But getting into, getting into sales, like I, I, I applied those same principles. Like a lawyer, become, like a lawyer pra- has a practice, right? A doctor has a practice. These, they, they call them these things because they continue to practice their craft. They continue the education factor that goes behind it to be super successful. And so for me, I treat sales as that. Like it's a study of people. It's a study of process. It's a study of human interaction. And by by taking that as a serious study, as the profession it is, I, I, it's my, I am my own continuing education. And I think that naturally bleeds itself into the teams that I've had the privilege to support is that I, I want to help those those other individuals that join my team to have that kind of success and to get that kind of coaching and guidance that you know they need in order to be successful. So, so I I, I really like the the idea that you you think about what you're 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 trained in is around like tone and you know you're saying like if it's not right it's not there but you know for 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 us um, you know at Cognizant and in general in, in sales in general like at the end of the day it's about meaningful conversations right like how do you have a meaningful conversation and um it's not about just pitching we think we think you think about like like how do you build a relationship and how do you like how do you actually get an outcome um but uh, at the end of the day um when it comes to your idea of like go to market and sales and sales development and top of funnel work in the first place, pitch and tonality and things like that. That's like at the core of your, like your, your heart, right? Like you sing it, but how does that translate into like the sales environment? Is, is there like a crossover there? Like, do, do you see, do you see some of that coming to play? Well, there, you're, you're, it, I had a, I had a, uh, a therapist once tell me that it's cute to think that I can be two different people. Uh, so I'll give you the same answer here. You're a singing world versus a sales world versus a tone or it, there's, there's not different people. You're one person. And, and I think like to your point, um, the relationship you said, you said relationship earlier, that's actually where everything begins. I don't need to teach pitch or tone or that's like saying, Hey, can you, can you teach someone how to be truthful? (laughs) Like, like, no, like, Hey, can you teach honesty? No. No, you are honest or you're not honest, right? That's, that's, or you are authentic or you're not authentic. You are. And so um, my number one rule with a team and, and even in anything I've done is to be true to yourself, you know, be yourself on purpose, right? Like that's, it's, um, I, whenever I hire someone, right, we, we, there's this age old question of, do you give a, do you give scripts? Do you, do you give them, what do you give them to be supported, like to feel supported and like, what I give them is the ability to be themselves. I've hired this individual to be who they are. I don't need to teach them how to be something. They need to be who they are and then apply some of the skills that we teach thereafter. But it's, it's um, you know, you go back to your point of relationships. Sales today is getting, it's, it's not, 
discovery calls. It's not, you know, qualification. It's not tone and uh, tonality or pitch or when to pitch or product or it is actual authentic relationships. And I just want to say that again, because it's, it's really important to grasp building a relationship is the key to actually having longevity with the deal that you're procuring. And it's, it's like, like I, some of the, some of the best relationships I have happen to be my clients. The best really, some of the, like the coolest friendships, the, 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 the time I spend with people, the dinners I take people out to or whatever, I, I just get to go and hang out with friends. And then like, oh, by the way, we do business with each other, right? Like, um, I think of uh, like some of the coolest partners I've had uh, have, have been able to do this with. Now, when I think of deals that have gone more transactionally or that have not really um, had the outcomes, to use the word again, like that you were saying earlier, that didn't, that the outcomes that I didn't want to have happen, happen. Um, usually the relationship is completely lacking. And I, I think that in 2022, 2023, go to market teams, when you think about your strategy, you need to be thinking about that relationship and finding people that know that have no relationships, have relationships that can create uh, an experience for your brand with your core core audience. And those individuals are the ones that are, are going to make a difference for your organization and make a difference for your people. Um, the more transactional the sale, the less that relationship exists. Right. But the more, I, I mean, like, but the people that I've been selling to, I'll sell for the rest of my career. They'll be, they'll be clients of mine forever. And I will support them with, I've helped clients get puppies. Okay. Like I've, I will support them with whatever they need in life. I will be there for them because they're my friends and I treat them as such. So, so you, <laughs> so you're talking about like the relationship side of things and like having like a trusted advisor, but you also posted on LinkedIn about like scaling a sales team. You don't want, you want to find like channel experts and you're talking sure. about like someone yeah. who's you know, great at cold call versus someone might maybe like great at email and social yeah. media, et cetera. How do you, how do you see this shaping the profile of like the new world SDR? Should they be a really, channel- a really great question? It's a really great question. Um, so on an, so what, what I was just talking about in particular, I think it exists really wholeheartedly on, on like a true, like AE type role. And you need to have someone that really owns relationships and can build them long-term. That's, that's a key to growth. From the SDR standpoint, I think that we are um, we are getting into a world of no- of too much noise. We've been in this world of too much noise, but it's just getting noisier. <laughs> it's just so crowded, right? Um, and I think that you know, especially you'll see right now, right? Like in particular, the times are interesting. You're seeing like maybe a little bit of an economic change, right? The economy's changing it's a little bit, right? There's a little bit of a slow. There was a, a conversation I saw online yesterday on LinkedIn where someone was taking a poll about recession and is there one coming? Oh, and, oh and like, man. So, so and, did and, you see what's going on today? Like layoffs on layoffs on layoffs on layoffs. It seems I like- did not. I did not see the layoff announcements. So that's that's scary and you're giving me something to not look forward to later. But um, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know, I'm not trying to cause <laughs> hysteria, but like it's starting to happen, right? The the, the announcements well, are happening, and um, yeah, I mean that's like. But, real I, but thing. I I think I think to right to so to be with the time. What that means is that people are going to make more. They're going to take more time with their choice. They're making. Yes. You're gonna. They're they're in the market for something. They're going to take more time to make sure it's something that needs to have happen. What does it do for your SDR team? It means that they can't be noisy. Um, I've always found that you want to hire likable people for an SDR team. Like that's kind of just a, a, a something that you want to hire for people that can be friendly and, and naturally want to engage with other people. That's a, that's a really good hiring like component. But I've always had this thought that like there are, we truly ask the world of an SDR, right? We ask them to be expert writers and expert social marketers and expert phone call, cold call makers. And we ask them to be um, really great at in-person interactions. And we ask them to be experts on our product. And we ask them to be really great at handling objections and to have awesome sales skills. And like, when are we going to slow down and look at the role and be like, hey man, this this person probably, if, it, if it's a traditional SDR for a SaaS company is about 
I don't know, four months out of school. What the hell are we doing? Right. And so like we are we are asking the world and putting the entire growth number on the shoulders of someone that's brand new to the market. And I don't know if that's fair, right? I don't know if that's fair. I think that we should, doesn't mean that we shouldn't make that higher. We should. But I do think it means that we do need to be, when we're scaling out your team, you need to keep in mind the skills that are that are required for success. And you need to have, maybe it's already on your team or in your organization or or you need to hire for it, but you need to make sure that you have certain skill sets represented so that you will, as the manager, aren't the catch-all trainer for all. Because you can't be the expert at all either. Like you can be great at everything. That's great. You can be great, but you can't be the best. There's no way. And so if you're going to be a jack of all trades, that's fine. But then you need you need a, a subject matter expert for the different pieces of that pie. And I think that the teams that do that have the best possibility and outcome for success. That's just my, that's just the way in which I think of it. So, so I love that concept, right? You got to upskill the, the folks that you have. Um, so how would you go about upskilling or segmenting a team into the like specialists and like their ability to do some of the things that you need, right? Um, I think it's it, right. Like a, some some people are good at email. Some people are good at cold calling. Some people are good at yeah. research. Uh, how do how do you like bring that into the organization? Um, and well, then you know capitalize on that. Yeah, keep, I, I keep, think keeping it's a, career path in mind as well, right? Because like, sometimes. Well, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's a it's it's an interesting question because it's um I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer with it. There will be teams that will have people that can keep enroll and be great and successful at you know hitting their goals, but also be the subject matter expert that can share with their peers, right? And I've led teams like that where every morning you you do a stand up quickly, you do a training on something, you you share a best practice across the team. You know, somebody talks about what they've done really well and what's worked for them, and then they go and try to apply it in their day. That's a very viable opportunity. But then I've also led teams where, like, you have that SDR that crushes it in the research realm, right? Crushes it. And she's absolutely someone that you want on the team because she does research like no one else. But maybe she's not converting the way in which some of your others are, right? And so what do you what do you want to do is you you don't want to lose that individual, but modern convention in sales would say, well, if they're not performing, lose them, right? That's that's a that's a convention. But performance means or Yeah, you gotta cut the 10%, right? Cut cut it out. Or, cut, cut out the or, bottom. Or, which is something I've done, do you see someone for the skills that they have and try to apply it if there's an opportunity to? And so, you know, Recast. maybe 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 that SDR, and what I've done in the past is I've had an SDR that wasn't being crazy successful in role, transitioned to that research element and created a role around it because it was a void for the team. It was something everyone was struggling with. This person wasn't. This person crushed it, but everyone else wasn't. So, okay, you know what? Like, I have budget to go spend on Zoom Info, or I can have budget to just have this person own this. Maybe I need to have this person go own it. And that actually wound up being one of the drivers of success for that team. Now I look at that person's career and they're actually at a company right now as a senior data analyst. They've actually joined RevOps. They're as a senior analyst for the RevOps team for that company. Like they've made a whole career out of just being really good at research. And like, that's very cool, right? That's very cool. That And, and that's where... where, you know, you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You're able to take what is there and help figure out what the right now, what the right mix is. Mind you, there that doesn't always exist, right? You don't, it, sometimes you do have to cut out your C players or people that aren't performing and that that stinks, but I never look at it that way. Whenever I've had to lose, lose someone, it's always, I've, I've always been helping them onto their next adventure, right? Um, well, as we Colin look at it, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say Colin Cadmus had a, a saying that um, everybody has the opportunity right, to should have the opportunity to crush it in their first 90 days. And if they haven't, it's okay. But then you need to help them have that opportunity again. Uh, I would agree with that statement. I would agree with that statement. Every, everybody who's being hired at one of these organizations, especially we talk about SaaS, right? Um, there's a lot of money behind them. You're there to yep. do a specific job. You should, you should absolutely be in a position to have everything you need to be successful in the first 90 days. And if you can't get there, you know, there's some, some adjustments, like you said, 
um what what happens what happens when like obviously there's there's some organizations where you can't necessarily justify you know just keeping on somebody who's not actually producing in the role that they're supposed to um you know get along with but like um as a leader um as a as someone who's responsible for like getting a number but also like developing people how how does that play into this equation right because i think that's like a a challenge for a lot of early stage like first time leaders etc right like you you come from being a top performer and then you just want to like you know basically get people involved in what you knew was successful and now you have someone who's maybe not there but could be an asset like how does that translate like uh what do you do there like uh you know as a leader like how do i how do how do i how do i advocate maybe for talent or and or you know like because you don't want to re you don't want to lose out on someone who could be an asset within the organization but at the same time there's a lot of politics that start to come into play like how do you deal with that uh, i don't know I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that that's yeah, a careful balance right i mean like i but first personally for the most part if you're in sales you need to be performing and there's not a lot of room for miss right there isn't and uh i did a poll i think last year that said hey what percent of you of you reached 100 percent of your ote right and like it was something crazy like 75 percent of the respondents went i did but what was missing from there was i declined the answer <laughs> Right? Like, like how many people chose not to take that quiz and that, would have actually driven, driven that number that's down. But that's interesting still. Like those, those who opted in, those who opted yeah. in, those who opted in were still only at 75%. No, no, no. 75% of the respondents said they had hit a hundred percent. Right. Like, so, right. so, yeah. so 75% is at quota, which still means that those who opted in to say they're in there we're still behind, right? Yeah, there was still 25% of the people that opted in to say they were behind. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah. and so and then there's a whole the, there's a whole majority of there. Yeah. I just, I mean, publicly that says I did make it. Yeah, yeah, ex- like who doesn't want to be a who wants to be on the list to say they didn't do it, right? And so, no one. So there's there is a huge slew, right? And so I think that I think that uh it's an interesting balance. First off as a leader um, uh, especially in an SDR instance, I'll, I'll put this out there. You're kind of, you're kind of up against the rails. I have yet to meet an SDR leader that hasn't started with Brian. It, it's a tough job, right? I, I've yet to meet that person. Like the person's like, Oh, it's great. Everything's wonderful. We're crushing it. Like I, it doesn't happen all the time. I, I'll meet one or two, but for the most part, someone's going, Brian, it's, it's a really hard job. It is a really hard job. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the easiest way to figure out what needs to be done and getting your team to where they need to be. And also, most importantly, the, the, the easiest way to get the company to feel the impact of what you're doing is to start with revenue. Um, most SDR programs start with pipeline. And they think pipeline is the measurement that will drive revenue. And therefore, I can start with pipeline. Well, pipeline might drive revenue, but pipeline also can drive a lot of fluff. If you start with revenue and end with revenue, then... At the end of the day, there's revenue. Well, let's talk through this. I have an SDR on my team right now, right? Now, Jack is an incredible SDR. Um, one of the best uh, I've ever met. And I gave him a goal of I wanted him to source $2 million for the business in his first year. Okay, Eight months in, Jack sourced $2 million for the business. Mind you, that's a really hard thing to do as an SDR. Okay, It's not, it's not easy. We're not talking pipeline. Yeah. I asked revenue right we need yeah. to source revenue okay? you're, you're you're talking about that nonchalantly uh yeah you know most most yeah. most uh most quota querying uh quota quota querying aes are in this like 500 to 1 million range this scr yes. has sourced you know four to two times two to four times uh what what uh what a what an ae would yeah yeah in <laughs> that's eight not easy in eight, in, in eight no. months yes yes there is then a moment, right? Let's say this didn't happen, but let's say this did happen. If somebody was coming saying, hey, Brian, you know, Jack, Jack doesn't seem to be doing much, right? Like he seems to be, he seems to be like, you know, away during the day or tra- traveling or, or whatever, right? They can say whatever. Oh, I, I'm not getting a lot of opportunities from him. Like I, I, what, what's he doing? What's now the, what's the response? Hey, Jack sourced $2 million in revenue. I don't really know what you want to say, but he just did something that's really hard to do. So 
Do I care? No, I don't care. I don't care. Right yep. now, yep. Jack at the end of his first year did 2.8 million, 2.8. The guy almost 2.9. Unreal, right? Unreal. That's what I'm talking about. If it begins and ends with revenue, then everything's a lot easier, right? Now, let's say, now, now, let's now, say now, now, Jack in that experience. So, I want to, I want to throw throw devil, devil's advocate. Was Jack also traveling and doing these things, or was Jack actually at the job doing his job? Because that's a important question. Well, I, I was being, I was being hypothetical. I, I, I like, I don't, that, that was an example of like, if, if, okay. uh, if he was okay. tra- traveling, I, I, okay. somebody so this was saying not a, this not a, like, not like, not like a real Jack. This is not no, a, no, no, he didn't, no, 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 no. But the, the 2.8 is real. That's real. Right. That's actually something that he did. He's been, he's incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. But, but, but let but, me just put, but, some but, but was yeah. that Jack, was that Jack doing 2.8? Was he also traveling or was he just, yeah, busting? I think he was, he was actually traveling during it too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's important though. Like people need to understand that component because well, well, if, well I mean, if, if you're maybe, just doing your job, it, exactly. No, no, travel doesn't matter, as you say. Right. But like, but like, while you're traveling, are you also working? That's another conversation, which is like very hard for people to wrap yes. their mind around. So, like, hey, Jack could be anywhere in the world. It doesn't really matter. He's doing his job. He produced job. $2.8 million in revenue, not pipeline, revenue. Revenue. So we don't care if Jack's at this care. meeting or uh, didn't come to a all hands or whatever, like Jack's producing. Well, but, but now, now, now let's flip it, right? Like maybe, and, and just for the record, I, I, I really care when teams, when team members are at my all hands, but that's, that's it. Right? But that said, like, let's flip it. Let's say Jack's goal was pipeline. Let's say his goal was 12 million in pipeline. Okay. And I wasn't tracking the revenue the way I wasn't going him the revenue. Jack hits 12 million, let's say in eight months. He says, okay, you know what? Oh, my pipeline in eight months. Okay. Someone's to say, Bri, like, I don't really, I'm not getting a lot of opportunities from Jack. Like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the impact. What's Jack's impact? I don't know. Jack's impact's been pipeline, but has pipeline cut become revenue? Is the revenue fluff? Was it well, not good, good who, pipeline? Who, who defines that? Who defines the metric of pipeline? That's that's key here, right? Like, so that, but, what is but, the but, definition of Well, that that is... What, to your point, that is defined by a lot of people, right? Your leadership team so, will have one definition. Your yeah. AE team will have a definition. Your the, super, the super subjective, right? Super Very subjective. subjective. Yeah. Super Revenue subjective. is objective. Everything else besides dollars in the bank, subjective. Yes. And that's why I think if you're on an SDR program somewhere, the best thing you can do for your team is to align them with revenue as fast as possible. Bring them aligned with the revenue number they need to be producing. If so, you don't know what that number is, go have an honest conversation with your finance comp- team. That's what you need to do. So how much do you feel about... So um, I, I I subscribe to that 100%. At the same time, I also subscribe to Matha Sales and the idea that yeah. you know certain activities produce certain amounts of Great. opportunity yep. that, that produce revenue. So, so um, how much of that... Um, and I agree, like revenue is the end all be all, but like, how do you then reverse engineer that back? Because like most of us don't get revenue in let's say monthly or even sometimes quarterly, like it takes a little bit longer for deals to come to fruition. So how do you feel about yes, end all be all, but as we're ramping and we're getting productive and let's say Jack, right? Like, as you said, 12 million in pipeline, we're going to get to 2.8. Like legit, let's it's, real real revenue. But how do you balance that equation around, um, like the idea that hey, I've done my job. I'm talking to the right people. I'm getting them into conversations. I'm putting them in front of the AEs. My job's done, and I get I'm attached to that. So I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that my my goal is not there. But at the same time, how much you know lies on the fact that like if I did my job. Is it really going to close or not? Because because it, it it's all the way up to the top, right? The data, the actual meeting, and then follow up, all that stuff. There's so much there. How do you feel about that? I'm just curious how that yeah. goes into play. 
very, very, sim- very simply, right? I have, I get this conversation a lot. In fact, I had it earlier today with a colleague, an old colleague of mine called me to say, to get my, uh, my thoughts. They wanted to start an SDR team internally. And, um, he wanted to know my thoughts about getting one off the ground. And, uh, in having the conversation, one of the first questions I asked was, well, what's the belief of the leadership team? Like, what does your CEO believe? And he goes, he goes, the CEO believes believes that it's not going to work. I'm like, so wait a minute. I said, so what makes you think you'll be able to change that opinion? In my opinion, it's never worked. When it, when, when you have a C-suite member that's against this org, it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they do. They will always find a way to make the point and say it does not working. Yep. Right. My advice to my friend today, my advice to my friend today was don't start to don't start the team. Don't do it. Find something else to spend that money on. Don't do it. Because you'll never win. Now, now, to answer your question more specifically, what about like they've done the things, the sales math, right? They've got the the touches are in place. They got all their touches done. They're they're opening up meetings. The meetings are there. They're hitting their meeting targets. They're hitting their qualified targets, which means the AEs aligned to it. Like that's good. Nothing's closing. I've been in this exact boat almost too many times to count. You know what, Matt? You know what happens? The leadership team, the one that actually inks your paycheck, the Mr. Sales, sales Development Leader, they're looking at the revenue. And when the revenue's not there, they're wondering if this is working. And yep. so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that all the sales math is there. If the revenue's not going to be there to follow, that is going to be something. So, to answer, go one step further in answering your question, I give this piece of advice to anyone that's starting a team or that is leading a team. I think everyone, you should have a one-year expectation for revenue. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Go when, So when you're looking, someone's saying, hey, I want to build, I want you to build an SDR team. Can you do it for me? It's, the not, answer 90, is, yeah, it's, not, it's not 90 days like everyone says. No, it's one, one year. year. One year. One year. Okay. One year. One year. And one then year. you say, one year, one year for me to get it off the ground, it's two years to show that it works. That's huge. The fact that you just said that, and I'm going to quote you on that. One year to get off the ground, two years. So, so define that a little bit, though. What does it mean to get and, off the and ground? Like, and I say that. I say that. Listen, listen. I say that, right? I say that. But like, even at Saster, right? I have one SDR who crushed it in his first year. Crushed it, right? Okay. I would say that in the first year, okay, it's off the ground. Now he's building a team. And he's hiring SDRs underneath him. So guess what? Two years to prove it, right? One year, the SDR program's up and ground. running, and he's there. It's off the ground. So, Two years to prove that it's a model that can be exist for a long time. So what is what is the definition, in your opinion, around off the ground and then prove it? So like, there's off there's, the ground milestones. Like, so so what does that yeah. mean? Like you're like like you're not losing money, and it's like at least covering itself, or what? What's the like, let's get off the ground means that, yeah, off the ground means that you have a, a team in some place with opportunities that are being opened with TAM that's being addressed with opportunities that are closing and becoming revenue. Right. And if anything, you have a team that's hitting, they're hitting goal. They're beginning to hit goals at least six months into the program being delivered. They're starting to hit goals. They're starting to get into a rhythm and they're operating as a team that's off the ground. Okay. The second year. So, so hold on. That was, fast. Second, that was, that was fast. Yep. I don't want I don't want to <laughs> I just want to yeah. I want to define this a little bit because there's some people that are trying to figure this out. So I got a team. So within the first Teams six months, hired. So we got people. your playbooks your playbook set up, your people are hired, you and have your six, tools in, in place. And it's 6 months. What percentage of that initial team is hitting expected objectives? That's a hard hard to say i i mean like i think you could i think you could look at it as like 60 to 7 percent of the team should be hitting objectives okay yeah i think and, that's and reasonable then, if you look at a 20 to 30 percent attrition um it's probably reasonable to expect then that 60 or to 70 percent of your team is at or above goal and then you're gonna have your b players that are just close and then you're gonna have your c players that aren't making it okay so do, do, do you advocate then if i'm gonna start a program i don't just start with one yeah, you hire a team always because they're always going to learn from each other. Yes, what, I broke that rule at Saster because it's not SaaS. I'm not selling SaaS, right? But if I was selling a SaaS program, anytime I've set up a SaaS program, it's always hire more than one. They need to learn from each other. There's going to be more learnings from each other than they could learn from you. 
Okay. So you're saying more than one. <laughs> like you yeah, I think five to ten is usually a good class, personally. Five to ten, minimum. Yeah. I think that's a great class. Five, five at least. I think five's a great class. Below that, I don't know what you're trying to prove. Right? So, like, what's your attrition? Go start with attrition. You know, if you if you hire three people, right? If you hire three people and two of them turn out to be crap, mind you, crap is with quotations, but they don't work out. What What's going to happen, right? Like, what it means is that you don't know if you have anything. You just had one person that figured something out. You can try to scale it off that. But that's going to be really hard. Now, when you hire two more people, that one person, you're going to want naturally say, well, this person needs to train these two other people. And then their performance falls. So, oh my God, the whole thing falls apart. Three is nothing. Four is the same issue. Five. Five allows two, two to fall out. You still have three good members. You hire two more. What happens? You have three people to make that person, those, those people successful. Right? So hire in a class. Hire in a class. That's really important to do. Five to ten? I think five to ten is a good number. Yeah. What does that also mean, though? If you're going to hire five to ten, it means that you need to have a good process set up. Right? You need to have everything written out. Who does if you're that? being pressured to hire, if you're being pressured to hire before you, you is the SDR leader. You're, they're the one writing out that process. If you, you, you know, whoever's leading the SDR team writes the process, in conjunction with your sales leadership team. Maybe your sales leader is the one that's doing it. That's fine at the get go. There's no reason to hire an SDR leader for so the first what, team. What are the um, what are the things that that leader has to have in place? before they get to a class. So I love this idea. I'm really excited about it because it's true. That's how you actually build a high performance, like high growth, repeatable, scalable yep. system. Most people start yep. too small and they just like, like they just death by a million cuts because they don't have enough information. But what are the key elements in your opinion that someone has to have in place in order to like be prepared for that? Like, what do I have to have before I bring in a class? What's the playbook, minimum viable playbook, in your opinion? I've had a, a few turns at this. So I would say, first and foremost, you need to have a rough idea of the sales math. Um, and that should be written out. That should be written out. Same team. In Excel. That's number, number one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sales math. Yeah. Right. You need to have your sales math written out in a, in, in, and I do mean just for the SDR word, like even before it gets to the AE, what's the math to getting the meeting? Yes. Um, uh, you should have a framework of some sort of cadence system, whether it's sales loft or outreach or whatever, you should have a, a sales engagement tool in place to help scale and uh, own success. You need to figure out where your leads are going to come from, right? You need to define rules of engagement with your sales org. So... Like, you know, if your team's working it, what does it mean for the other AEs? What are the ROEs? So you got to build your ROEs, rules of engagement. Um, you do need to figure out what your lead stages are. So is it researched? Is it then, um, is it MQL, SQL? Like you have to figure out what your definitions are of the different lead stages all the way through to convert it into an opportunity, right? So there's that. You need to make sure all of your tools are in place so and that your trainings for those tools are set up. So if you're going to use SalesLoft or Outreach, or you're going to use Salesforce, you're going to use ZoomInfo, you're going to use Vidyard, whatever you're going to use, you need to make sure Loom, you need to make sure that you have those trainings done, right? And, and set up. How are you going to make sure they get onboarded? You need to make sure that you have a curriculum in place. What day of what week are they going to learn about the business? What day of what week are they going to learn about the tools? What day of what week are they going to learn about your product? When do they meet the executive team? What's the engagement with the AE team when they meet them? I always built a two-week curriculum and had calendar invites out before those people even walked in the door, right? You need to think about the first day. What, is it the, what does that first day look like? They're interacting with your brand for the first time. First impressions are everything. Have you been greeting them with swag? Do they have their computer set up? Do they have a station to work at? If they're working from home, did you ship everything in advance? Make sure they have it. Like, like it's, what is that environment? Um, I mean, that's just a few of the things. I, I want to like double click into a lot of this right now, but we only have a few minutes left and I want to make sure we land the plane here. But um so it's, that's it's, that's it's, to get set up. 
it's you're at 60 to 70 percent of performance and then you need to get this whole thing to second year so look like if you're if the team's ramping and you're able to show revenue at the end of the first year here's revenue that we've won it doesn't matter if you're a goal yet right because you should have already set the expectation it takes two years so now what matters is now that second year you have a couple things happening you're going to have sdrs hit 12 months at 12 to 15 months, you're going to want SDRs are going to naturally ask to be moved to AE. It's going to happen. Promise. Yep. Okay. They're yep. going to want career progression because right around that time, there it's not that the AEs on your team are in their ear. It's that LinkedIn, all the recruiters are in their ear saying, hey, you could be an AE at this company. So you're going to start getting 12 to 15 months. People are going to start reaching out to you saying, hey, I want to be an AE. So preemptively start those conversations. Have a training curriculum in place. Show that you have you have everything down. You know how to hand off a business from one person to another if you're gonna if you're gonna promote someone, right? Um, so make sure that plan's in play. And then in year two, you need to hire another class, maybe two classes. And you're you're bringing you're scaling the team now, and you're showing that it's a viable model. Now, if you've really done well in year one, you probably already hired maybe one or two more times, and you're really scaling, right? That's a that's a Sometimes even a business will ask you to double down because they, they believe in the model. They believe what you're doing. So like, you know, you may already have done this, but in year two, you're proving the model. You're proving that people can get promoted and that you can replace them and that the performance can remain, you know, consistent. So what I heard, what I heard you say is like, you got to double down up front and hire the entire class. Like if you're saying, Hey, my plan is to get to five or 10 within year one, like you got to get them all in in a class, not sporadic I think throughout that, the process. Yeah. I think that if you're going to hire, if you're really only want to hire one or two SDRs and that's really all you want to do, I don't know one that you call them an SDR. You're not you even ready. You're not, you're, not even, you're not even ready. You're not even ready to yeah. get it done. Yeah. And maybe two, maybe, it, maybe you'd be better off hiring just a full cycle sales rep. It might be better for you. Yeah. So um, this is so... I, I would love to talk to you for, for <laughs> a long time. I only have a couple more minutes. So, out. So, <laughs> so um, what are some of the other top traits that you look for? So we're talking about leadership now. I think we transition this from like, all right, let's say we get a class involved, but like, what are some of the top traits for the leaders? Like we're going through the process. You mentioned there maybe one that cr crawls up to the top, but what are some of the top traits of leaders or top traits of that leaders need to look for? No, no. What are, what are the top traits that you need to look for in the, the the team? Like, hey, I'm trying to build this out. We got this class coming through. How do I start to stack this up? Like, because we're talking about scale now, right? So yep. I can't, I can't, I can't do it all, right? I can't do it all. I got to find them. What do you look for? Boils down to three core things for me, um, and maybe and maybe a fourth now nowadays that that I've I've really started to lean into. Um, but the three core things. So first off, they have to be willing to, ch the, to show that they are okay with status quo changes. I think if you're going to work in a startup, the status quo changes pretty consistently and you need to be able to showcase evidence in your life that shows that like when status, when the status quo changes, you are a chameleon, right? I think that's part one. Um, part Bro, two, you need growth to be mindset. Would you say that's like point. the same thing? I or think, no, is that different? I'm no, curious. Because because you will I've interviewed someone to say, like, do you do you like consistency or growth? And and like I all ask weird questions like that and and just to see how somebody answers to see what where they go with it. And you'd be surprised. I did this for a while and and growth doesn't always mean change to people. Growth okay. can mean that they are they are accelerating and adaptable um, and winning. Yeah. Adaptability is probably better to status quo. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so that would be first one. Second, um, uh, the ability to learn really fast and a lot of things at once, right? So, it, look, I'm, I mean, especially if they've never done it before, you're going to be throwing a lot at someone. Think of it: product, sales, you know, skills. Like, geez, there, there is just so much you're going to throw at them. They need to be able to know how to learn fast. Um, that doesn't always mean college career, college degree, it can, it can mean good school. But I think just in a the ability to show that they know how to learn things quickly. And there's a lot of ways in which you can, uh, you can uh, um, assess that. I typically will, will do this through a written assignment. 
um, just to see where their skills are at, look for go- like gaps and holes and figure out if they can be self-sufficient enough to figure out the answer on their own prior to, you know, me having to engage. So there's that. When uh, say, and then when, that, when you say written assignment, is that like, a, you're, you're going to ask them to do something like they're going to write up like a result? Like, like when for, you say for Jack, I gave him, I gave Jack 24 company names, asked him who the decision maker would be, uh, what their relationship, what the company's relationship to Saster was, um, what the history of Saster in that company was. This is the what, 2.8, this is the $2.8 million. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, asked him if, uh, what the angle would be, what the play would be if they, we were to reach out today. Now, look, Jack doesn't know Saster more than like what he can find online or what he's engaged with us before. <coughs> he's never been an SDR. That's a real test, right? You're asking them, can you do this job before they even take the job? Jack took that and in four hours, he reached out and said, hey, I have a question. And I thought he, he, I had like, he just wanted to go over a couple of the parameters, which I was fine with. And he, and I said, sure, what's your question? He said, do you have time right now to, for me to take you through this? I'm like, take me through it. And I opened up the, the, the shared doc. It was completely filled out, color coded, organized. I was blown away. This individual, Jack, if anyone can find who is, is you're going to be poached because this guy oh, is, a, is, is, a, is an animal. That's good luck. That's a very, that's a very rare trait. Uh, yeah. That's amazing, right? Like so. That's, that's what you're looking for. Yes. Hire well, right? Hire well. So there's that. And then I think the third thing is um, someone that's dealt with life's curveballs. What are what are life's curveballs? Like how do they overcome them? What happened? Talk me through how they process them. I've heard stories that you wouldn't believe, right? I've also heard stories like, well, one time at work. I was given a really tough job. I was like, I have no doubt that it was tough, right? And I, I, but it's not a life curveball. Maybe it was for you, and I appreciate that, but it wasn't. It's not a life curveball, Jack. Now, mind you, this is the extreme, right? Jack's a quadri- was a quadriplegic in a jujitsu accident who retaught himself how to walk and then climbed, climbed Mount Whitney. Right? <laughs> like you can't, you can't make that up. Jesus. You can't make that up. This is the epitome of life threw me a curveball and I gave them the middle finger and said, forget you life. Yeah. I'm going to take it by the horns. Right. Like that's who the, this guy had an LA times piece done on him. Right. Like that's like, that's, that's just, but Jack's not one in a million, believe it or not. There are millions of Jacks out there and you have to find the Jacks. I have a team of Jacks on my team. And I think that that's, that's what's exciting. Uh, I'll leave you with the last one here, the, le- the, the fourth component of good hiring ownership. There is a, a lack of it, I would say, in a hiring pool today. And someone's going to angry message me on LinkedIn about this. And I, I apologize to that person who feels like I'm attacking them. If you feel attacked right now, maybe take a look at yourself and your, your thoughts on ownership. But yeah, ownership. Yeah, don't, don't, don't apologize to that person. Don't, yeah, don't, you know? don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the pass. Don't do it. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Ownership is super important. If you if your job is not a job, but your career, and if you treat the work that you do as if you own the company and you own your position and you do it until it's done, that's ownership. That's ownership, right? Like there, bar none, ownership lacks today. And I would say in most candidates, I feel and I and I see ownership lacks. I look at it and I say, this is not a person I could see owning, truly owning the work. They'll be, they could be good at it. They may even be great at it, but are they going to own it? And that is, that is a clear cut differentiation. And you know, when you find owners, they talk a different way. They almost say the word we before they even are a part of your company. Well, when we approach this company, this is how we'll do it, right? Like they are, and then they are throwing an eye, right? I'm going to go after this, and then I'm going to go do this, and then I'm going to do this. And they walk through the eyes. They start with the we to show that you're there. They want to be a part of your team, and they just attack that we with eyes. Here's all the eye things that I'm going to do to own the number. That, my friend, those are the people that have ownership. They talk about what they're going to do. And I would leave you one other thing, right? And for anybody listening to this, when you report on your business, when you report on what you're going to do, when you report on things that are that are happening. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do not talk in the future's tense. Do not say, well, today I'm going to do. Say, today I did. 
even if it means you have to give that report at the end of the day, even if it means your standup is 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 from yesterday's like accomplishments, talk about what you did. Talk about what you accomplished, what you got done. We talk too much about future st- future self, and it's too fluffy. Get into the attack of what you've done, because if you've done it, no one can take it away from you. It's freaking powerful. I'm I'm like leaning in right now. And we're going to land the plane on that one. That was, I mean, yes. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. The we to I is like, that's a freaking, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's huge. Um, I'm going to like repeat that in my mind moving forward. <laughs> uh, last question we have, we always have this for our guests is if you had sure. an extra, if you had an extra, it's funny. Cause we're, you know, from across the pond. I know yeah. I'm, the, I'm the American running this these days, but if you had an extra 50,000 pounds, which I think is like these days, like a lot of dollars. Like, like 85 so, grand. It's, it's like, yeah. you can invest that in your business development team, sales development, et cetera. Uh, how would you spend that today? I'd find a spiff that attaches it to the goal and the revenue that I need to go get done. I'd find a way to just go and put it as an attraction towards the outcome I need. It's not something I'm going to go invest in. There's no tool to go invest in. There's no find another headcount. Maybe. I think that people are, if you have a true sales team, they're money motivated. So attach it to your end goal. Make it a prize for whoever actually crushes their, their their. maybe it's a whole team prize. A team can divide out and split as long as the team hits their, their revenue goal. But then watch what happens. They're going to, you'll see some people up level the others. You'll see other people up level themselves to try to meet the others. And then you'll see people that are trying to hide and trying to make it. And you'll see the team members that are really doing the work turn around and say, hey, this person's not cut pulling their weight, right? So um, that's what I would do. I'd, I'd attach it to the outcome and then give it to the team. It's like a masterclass in leadership. <laughs> <laughs> this is like one of the most exciting conversations I had, Brian, in a long time. Thank that's you. Right. For I appreciate blessing, that. You know, thank you for uh, blessing me with the last hour of your time. If, uh, it's my people, pleasure. People want to connect with you. Um, are you open to connecting? How can they reach you? How would that happen? I'm, I'm, I used to be daily on LinkedIn. I still am on LinkedIn every day, but I'm not posting as much. And it's, it's probably because I'm just so swamped in what I'm doing. But that said, by all means, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to be able to help if I can. And um, it, Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. So thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much, man. I, I learned a ton and I hope the guest has as well. So have a great day. Thank you so much, Brian. You too, buddy. Take care.